0: The following content includes discussion about suicide. If you need help because you're having suicidal thoughts or you are worried about someone else, please call 1-800-273-8255 in the United States or 116-123 in the UK. Christmas time. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's not. Okay. It's like
1: the second week of January.
0: Alright, you win this time, West, because Epiphany Day this year is January 6th, and this episode comes out January 9th. So but viva La Christmas forever. Um okay,
1: <laughs> sure. Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to our Tinfinity episode. Episode. Oh, wait, that was last episode.
1: I was about to say, what do you mean, Tinfinity? This is number 11.
0: Now I'm sad. I was going to do that for last one. Tinfinity part two. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs>
0: I don't know how to count, but welcome back to our podcast. It is called
1: Dinner and a Murder. Dinner and a Murder.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Rose.
1: And I'm Chelsea.
0: That'd be Chelsea. That's um, me. And as we do every time now, if you have your own personal experience of the paranormal and the true crime, you should email us at pod pod at gmail.com. I'm getting it. Um, (laughs) Slowly. (laughs) We release uh, listener episodes on the last Tuesday of every month. So if you send us your stories, put your little title on there, your little name on there. We'll give you like a little baby shout out and we'll read your stories. Yes. About whatever you want.
1: Send us your That's stories cool. and we can get you into our Tea Time and Crime Part 3 at the end of January.
0: January. January. Okay. Yeah, I what was that? I to French. Trying to be French? I don't know. Bonjour. No, no, no. We're not going to have any fresh listeners. We're never going to have any fresh listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Chelsea, just, you know what? Tell me what you had this week. I don't.
1: (laughs) Well, all right. I suppose. I suppose I'll tell you what I had to eat. So this week, Ryan took me on a lovely date night to Smokin' Oak in Vancouver, Washington. Ooh. They are, oh my gosh, it's one of our favorite restaurants. I feel like I say that every time. We do, we just have a lot of favorites.
0: No, um, all the food's good. All the food's good.
1: <laughs> they serve Texas-style barbecue right up my alley. Ew.
0: It uh, does sound like a barbecue place. I was going to guess that.
1: Yeah, and Oak. It's definitely barbecue. They smoke, uh, if not all, then at least most of their meat. And let me tell you, it is delicious. The restaurant is a small, cozy spot in downtown Vancouver. The left half Mm. of the restaurant is the very large bar and kind of an adult dining area, I guess. And then the right side Mm. is the family friendly space. The
0: bar. No, (laughs) I'm (laughs) kidding.
1: The bar is really impressive. It takes up probably like half of the quote unquote adult section of the restaurant. And it's got floor Dang. to ceiling shelves with liquor, just wall to wall. Like the, the nice way liquor too. I
0: want it. Every shelf is the top shelf.
1: Every shelf. There's even a chandelier in the bar area that it's massive. It's Ooh. huge. It's like three times me. Um and it's made completely of recycled liquor bottles. And they make these really cool handcrafted cocktails that change seasonally. And they have a really great mm. selection of local beers on tap as well. A circulating yum, 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 yum. circulating list of beers. I had their pulled pork sandwich, shocker, topped with house barbecue sauce and a side of cornbread. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. The meat was falling apart. It was tender and smoky and delicious. And it went perfectly with the lager that I had. And I finished it off with the cornbread slathered in honey butter. Mm. So freaking good.
0: Jealous. Jealous. Except I don't eat pork, but jealous.
1: (laughs) Well, Ryan's meal was pretty entertaining. He was he was my dinner entertainment. He got the <laughs> stuffed jalapenos for an appetizer, and let me tell you, they were not seeded peppers. All the seeds were in those bad boys. He was- All the spicy. Oh my God, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Ryan sat there, sweating bullets, sucking his teeth with every bite, like- <sighs> And I asked him if he was doing okay. Just breathe, man. Just breathe. Oh, my God. I asked him if he was doing okay. And he goes, great. In like a voice a whole octave higher than his normal (laughs) voice. It was so funny. And he also ordered the smoked brisket sandwich topped with. Right there. Up my alley. Oh, Mm. yes. It was topped with pickled onions and garlic. Pickled garlic, which I thought was really weird, but he thought it was heavenly. And a side of mac and cheese. Mac Mac and cheese. Based on the noises and the very loving looks he gave the sandwich, I'd say he thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> He's uh signing the divorce papers right now so he can read Oh yeah, that he, he
1: wanted to take that sandwich <laughs> out instead of me. When he finished <laughs> the sandwich, he made sure to eat all of the meat that had fallen on the plate. Can't let anything go to waste. And then he remembered that he still had mac and cheese. And he went, oh, hey, you. How are you? Oh, my God. Your husband is something. Oh, my God. I just, I can't handle him sometimes. He's so funny. With my meal, I ordered a Love Ya Lager from Barrel Mountain Brewing, which is a microbrewery, kind of close to where I mm. live. And it was perfect for my pulled pork sandwich. They just complimented each other so well.
0: Is it a rose-approved logger or
1: ew? <laughs> mm, probably not. Yeah, I don't think you'd like okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: this think was an- a logger that I do like. So, uh.
1: no, you're not a logger person. I
0: don't think so.
1: No, this was not the first, and definitely won't be the last time we go to Smoke and Oak it's just like taking notes
0: down of all the restaurants you talk about and it's like okay this one we have to go to when I visit Chelsea
1: (laughs) um yes I took uh my friend Mackenzie there when she came to visit it was I am not
0: a big meat eater but if you say brisket I'm there
1: (laughs) oh yeah it was falling apart he I mean, he had to use his fork to eat some of it because it was just falling right out of the Ugh, sandwich.
0: It's the best kind. Like, I eat poultry and salmon, and that's, like, the extent of my meat. And now lamb. That's a little different. I'm just now exploring <laughs> that avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, ooh, he's, uh, red meat's not my thing, but if you say brisket, <laughs> you'd... I've already got the napkin in my fucking shirt. And <laughs> you ready. are ready for it. I got my hair tied back because I know it's going to be a mess. Um. <laughs> Let me some brisket.
1: Going to be some carnage.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I've never felt like a carnivore until I eat, like, some fall-off-the-bone, like, beef.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So, love- if you would like to follow us on social media rose
0: you can follow our facebook page at d a a m podcast that's damn podcast <laughs> and twitter at d a d no i'm kidding it's only two days um <laughs> oh my god d a a m pod That's damn pod. And our Instagram at dinner and a murder for the pictures and info on Chelsea's restaurant from this week.
1: Yes. Yes, yes.
0: I want to see the food so I can drool over it. Oh, it looks delicious. And then cry. (sighs) I'm just thinking about some brisket now. Uh, Well. Let's have a moment of silence for some brisket.
1: A moment of silence for the brisket? How about a moment of silence for the case that you're about to break my heart with?
0: (sighs) I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So today I am going to talk about Nicholas Markowitz. Mm -hmm. All right? Okay. Here we go. Nicholas was born on September 19th, 1984, in West, in the West Hills area of Los Angeles, California, to Jeff and Susan Markowitz. He had an older half-brother named Ben Markowitz. <clears throat> mm-hmm. By 2000, Nicholas was living with his parents and his brother in West Hills in a middle-class area. And this is where we're setting the scene. All right. So, his older brother, Ben, had an ongoing feud with a local mid-level drug dealer named Jesse James Hollywood. Uh, f- okay. Dope-ass name. Um, <laughs> For a drug dealer, sure. Yeah. Um, that's his legal name, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, was, he was born with that name. Um that's The feud was over a 12-hot... The feud was over a $1,200 debt that Ben allegedly owed Hollywood. Although it was determined later that the debt was closer to $36,000 Ugh. or 27,400 pounds. Jesse James Hollywood was born on January 28, 1980, also in the West Hills area to Jack and Lori Hollywood as a child. Hollywood was involved in junior baseball league and continued playing throughout high school. Well, through high school. During his adolescence, he began powerlifting and ingesting muscle supplements to help build muscle mass. And that was just a fancy way of saying he probably took steroids. Oh,
1: yeah. Roy rage
0: (laughs) for sure. And you know what? If you're just (laughs) (laughs) gonna What? I know I took away some of your story last time. now you're doing it to me yes um so if you think about how steroids uh, affects adults just imagine how it affects the chemical compound of a child mm-hmm. or the chemical no, let me try that again the biological <laughs> functions of a child so um later hollywood was described as quote, an emotional child, unquote, and was expelled in his sophomore year because he had a violent outburst towards one of his teachers. As Chelsea had pointed out, Royd rage. Uh-huh. Although none of the sources that I read that in said it was roid rage, but... Totally Royd rage. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I know. He had transferred to another high school where he played baseball, but he injured his back and leg and was forced to stop playing. It's believed he began selling drugs in 1999 and recruited his high school friends, William Skidmore. I'm going to butcher this last name. Brian Affronti. A-F-F-R-O-N-T-I. Affronti. I think that's how you say it. Sounds right. Benjamin Markowitz and Jesse Ruge, which is R-U-G-G-E. Maybe it's Rug. I'll just say Rug for the rest of it. Okay. Um. So he... Uh, <laughs> Recruited all his friends to sell drugs for him and build up his profitable drug operation. Uh. All right, laying the foundation down on August sixth, two thousand. Ho- Ooh, now we're like getting real close to current times.
1: Eh, about um, twenty years away.
0: We're. we're uh. <laughs> Uh, My chest hurts after you just said that. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I knew it would. On August 6, 2000, Hollywood and his friends, Rug and Skidmore, uh, decided to confront Ben about his debt. On their way to Ben's house, they saw his brother, Nicholas, walking alongside the road, trying to run away from home to avoid getting into trouble for something he did the night before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you do. And they decided to abduct him and hold him until Ben paid his debt as you do perfectly uh, so logical abduction was not planned which is exactly not that you should kidnap anybody but an unplanned abduction is like i
1: mean at least it even, wasn't premeditated i guess
0: no no <laughs> uh, uh. they had chased nicholas down assaulted him threw him into the van and escaped Hollywood and his friends picked up a Francie and drove to Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. After the gang told Nicholas why they kidnapped him, he began to panic. But then they gave him some, you know, marijuana Mary and
1: alcohol. Jane.
0: And he, he, he was like, this isn't too bad. They're pretty chill dudes. So he calmed down. And Hollywood left Rugg in charge to watch Nicholas and went back to L.A. to speak with Ben. Back in Santa Barbara, Nicholas met Rugg's friends, Graham Presley, Natasha Adams-Young, and Kelly Carpenter, and went to several house parties with this group of friends. Uh Several witnesses, including parents and teenagers, saw Nicholas with this group, but did not suspect anything was wrong. He was even witnessed playing video games and drinking with everybody. Many people actually knew that Nicholas had been kidnapped and even nicknamed him the Stolen Boy.
1: Um, Um, excuse me? Um, And they didn't feel the need to maybe tell the cops and report it?
0: Well, he seemed like he was safe and having a good time, and so they didn't notify the police. (sighs) Hollywood then contacted Rugg to notify him that Nicholas was going home, and Rugg and the others threw a going-away party at the Lemon Tree Inn. And it was a pool party. Oh, how lovely. I mean, yeah, of course. You know, this is going great. Um, He's having a good time. Um, Everybody else is having a good time. It's, it's all fun and games. Mm. Though Nicholas had several attempts to escape, he would tell witnesses that he didn't want to complicate the situation when he truly believed that he would go home. However... After discovering the legal ramifications for kidnapping, Hollywood contacted Ryan Hoyt, Hoyt, another gang member who owed him money, about $500, and gave him a Tech-9 semi-automatic handgun and ordered him to kill Nicholas in order to pay off his $500 debt. What? Yep. Uh,
1: Yep, 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 yep. Yes, because the jail time for kidnapping is so much worse than the jail time for fucking
0: murder. Yeah, you know, whatever. Who knows? I mean, are they the sharpest tools in the shed? Probably not. Um, <laughs> um, they decided to commit the murder in the Santa, I forgot to look up how to say this word, Nez, Y-N-E-Z, Yes, Inez. Inez. Oh, that makes more sense. I like said it in my brain. I was like, yeah, that's it. And then it went away. (laughs) Santa Inez Mountains in the northern area of Goleta, California. Meanwhile, Nicholas believes he's going home after appearing to have fun with a fun time with Rug and his friends. So after the going away party on August 9th, only three days after they kidnapped him, I keep wanting to say his name is Holt. It's Hoyt. It's not the same at all. <laughs> I got Brooklyn 99 on the brain. Hoyt Rugg and Presley drive Nicholas to the mountain, got out of the car and walked up to a walked up a trail that led to a grave that Presley had dug the night before. Oh my god. Rug bound Nicholas's hands behind his back and covered his mouth with duct tape. Hoyt hit Nicholas in the back of the head with a shovel, knocking him into the grave and shot him nine times. (gasps) They threw the gun into the grave and covered the body with dirt and branches. However, like I said, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. Not the brightest bulb. Mm. (sighs) And the grave was shallow and also located near a popular trail. Oh, God. Um... Nicholas's body was found three days later on August 12th, 2000. He was 15 years old at the time of his death. Oh my God. Hoyt, Rugg, Skidmore, and Presley were all arrested, but Hollywood went on the run and wouldn't be captured for another five years.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Mm -hmm. When it was all said and done, there were between 30 to 40 witnesses, many of whom knew Nicholas was being held for ransom, and none of them called the police, as far as I could tell from any of the sources.
1: Doesn't that make them Um, accomplices or at least accessories to it?
0: Mm, I mean, nobody else was charged, so I guess not. Maybe, I mean, we'll get into it. Um, (laughs) Uh. All right. So, after Hoyt was arrested, Hollywood fled to Canada with the help of his father, Jack Hollywood, his godfather, Richard Dispenza, who was unaware he was a fugitive at the time, and his girlfriend. He escaped to Brazil. Whoa. The land of... The land of the uh, fugitives.
1: Yeah, because they don't extradite, right?
0: Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Law enforcement and the Markowitz family offered a reward of $30,000 or 22,800 pounds for information that would lead to Hollywood's capture. And the amount was raised later on to $50,000 or 38,000 pounds. So they were super, super desperate to get Hollywood. Uh-huh. Hollywood had changed his name to Michael Costa Garot and was living, I assume that's it looks French. It's G-I-R-O-U-X.
1: Yeah, Garreau, that sounds
0: French. And was living on the Capacabana Beach. He had claimed to be the a native of Rio de Rio de Janeiro and then claimed later on that he was from a native of Sequerma. So he was just trying to come up with all of these disguises, this background. Uh-huh. Um, he even learned Portuguese to fit in, worked for a nightclub. Uh, he also worked as a dog walker and as a private tutor teaching English. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he was a Renaissance man, didn't you know?
1: Naturally, check um, of all trades, that one.
0: Yeah. But the majority of his income came from his father, who sent him $1,200 or 900 pounds every month jesus christ so his dad knew very well where he was while the police were out there looking for him Uh. um while in brazil he developed a relationship with marcia riaz and in november 2004 the couple was expecting their first child again hollywood not understanding how the laws work Doesn't matter what country he's in, Uh, uh, he believed that a Brazilian extradition law included a provision that protected the father of a native Brazilian from being extradited to the U.S. This was true for a time, but by the time Hollywood had been expecting his child, this law was reversed. Oh, good, Um, good, good. Yeah. Regardless, he had entered the country illegally with a fake passport. Therefore, he was an illegal immigrant and could be deported regardless of paternity to a native Brazilian. So good. They have extradition laws, but they're very specific, but you can extradite a criminal to the U.S. Yeah. 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 should have gone to Peru. I don't know what their laws are like, but I hear everybody goes there. Um, <laughs> U.S. and Brazil authorities worked together and discovered that Hollywood was planning to meet a cousin at a mall and was re- arrested in March 2005 by Brazilian police in Saquera. Uh In July 2005, Riaz gave birth to a son, John Paul Hollywood Riaz.
1: Oh, why?
0: And um, that was the Pope at the time? Duh. Of <laughs> On the same day Hollywood was arrested, his father was arrested for manufacturing the illicit drug GHB, which the charge was dropped, but they still held him for a couple of years for an outstanding warrant for a marijuana charge. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything about him being charged with, I don't know, aiding and abetting, but whatever.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, no big
0: deal. No big deal. In 2006, there was a movie release based on the kidnapping and murder called... Alpha dog this is not the media part it's just relevant to the next part of uh this story the aftermath um while the film the movie was filming mind you it was filming and they hadn't captured hollywood yet yeah while it was filming the Santa Barbara County Deputy District Attorney Ronald J Ron Zonin, provided copies of case documents and worked as an unpaid consultant on the film. He stated his goal was to capture Hollywood. Zonin Zonin had prosecuted the others involved in the crime and was set to prosecute Hollywood after he was arrested. But Hollywood's defense attorney argued that there was a conflict of interest, which meant that Which means that Zonin had a duty to more than one person or organization, but could not do justice to the actual or potentially adverse interests of both parties. So he was trying to argue that Zonin couldn't have worked on this film and also have been the prosecutor of the other individuals and now prosecute Hollywood because... It, would just, it was a conflict of interest, um, uh, okay. <laughs> which is a legal term. So basically, it's like you can't represent or be against these parties without fucking up something. But it doesn't matter because the court was like, California Supreme Court was like, uh, yeah, Zonan doesn't need to be recused, which means he doesn't have to excuse himself because of conflict of you interest. You mean
1: recused?
0: Recused. I don't know why it was so hard to say that. That was really Zon- tough for you. I know. So the California Supreme Court ruling uh, stated that Zonin didn't have to be recused. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Meaning that he didn't have to excuse himself from the case because they didn't find that there was a conflict of interest. Uh, You can very well prosecute people who were involved in the same crime and also work with individuals who were making a documentary or film or whatever. Uh um, Because all you're doing is supplying facts. You're not representing them. So that defense lawyer... Who knows um, but and regardless Zonin was replaced by joshua lynn to avoid any kind of like appeal in the future they were just like let's just have this joshua lynn guy be the prosecutor so we can just avoid this whole thing later on uh he described hollywood as quote a ruthless coward so he had some fighting words for hollywood oh very
1: good very good
0: um while in jail hollywood signed his mail as quote alpha dog and oh, mentioned going no. on an Alpha Dog world tour. So oh, he was just no. living it up. Um, Can he not, Hollywood's though? trial. He's he's a ruthless coward. Um, <laughs> Hollywood's trial began on May fifteenth, 2009, four years after his arrest. He was convicted on July 8, 2009, after just three days of deliberation. He was found guilty of kidnapping and first degree murder with special circumstances, which means he qualified for the death penalty, but the jury's the jury recommended that he be just sentenced to life. And the judge was like, I'm cool with that. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Okay. cool. 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 On February 5th, 2010, a judge upheld his life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole. But his defense team still argued that Hollywood's responsibility ended the last time he saw Nicholas, as he could have left any time he wanted to, but chose not to.
1: Mm, Um, But the
0: appellate court was like, "Um, no, we're going to deny your motion for a new trial and you're just going to have to deal with it. On January 19th, 2014, Hollywood married Melinda Enos, a pen pal Uh. of his. In prison, and they got married in the in the visitor center. Yep, you can get married while you're in prison. Oh, isn't it lovely?
1: Um, it's not like you can be together. You're in prison.
0: You know, remember when Ted Bundy? No I'm kidding. Okay, you know what? <laughs> we're not going to talk
1: about it. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs>
0: um, we're not going to talk about it. Anyway, while Hollywood was chilling in Brazil, I'm going to talk about what happened to his accomplices. Mm, hmm. Hoyt. Who was just 20 at the time of the murder. In fact, all of them, but Presley, was were 20 years old. Presley was 17 years old. Oh, my God. Um, and he's the one who dug the grave. Mm. And he wasn't initially a part of the kidnapping or anything like that. He was one of the friends that Rugg introduced Nicholas to and just became a part of it later on. Yeah. Um. So, Hoyt... <laughs> Who shot uh, Nicholas um, was charged with first degree murder and convicted on November 21st, 2001, and was sentenced to death on December 9th, 2001. And he is still on death row at San Quentin State Prison. Good. Presley was tried twice in Jan- July 2002. He was acquitted of the kidnapping charge, but the jury was hung on the murder charge. So in October 2002, he was retried for the murder charge and was convicted of second-degree murder. Uh. He was incarcerated at California Youth Authority facility and was released in 2007, shortly before his 25th birthday. Damn. So he went to juvie for a long time. (sighs) <sighs> Rugg was convicted of aggravated kidnapping for ransom or extortion with special circumstances and was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after serving seven years. On July 2nd, 2013, Rugg's parole was granted and he was released October 24th, of the same year. When he was released, Susan Markowitz, Nicholas's mother, stated, quote, it's very upsetting to think he's going to get out and get married because he has fiance and will have babies. Unquote. Which is the things she dreamed for her only child. She had two children. No, Ben was, uh, Ben was, uh, Nicholas's half, uh, brother. Oh, oh, on his oh okay. Side. Sorry, I should have, yeah. I should have made that clear.
1: No, I forgot about um, that. Yeah, that's my bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Skidmore was charged with kidnapping and robbery and was sentenced to nine years to state prison as part of a plea bargain in September 2002 and was released in April 2009. In 2003, the Markowitz family won a $11.2 million, or 8.5 million pound, civil lawsuit against the kidnappers and murderers, the family friend whose van was used in the kidnapping, and the owners of the houses where Nicholas was being held. Mm. Because a lot of them knew what was going on. Yeah. <sighs> After her son's death, Susan Markowitz became suicidal and would be admitted into mental hospitals 12 times. Oh, my she God. She attempted to take her life three times by combining pills and alcohol and another time by cutting her wrists. In mm. the book she wrote, My Stolen Son in 2010, she says, quote, When I wasn't in mental hospitals or trying to kill myself, I had one focus, to find Jesse James Hollywood, unquote.
1: Oh, my God. That poor woman.
0: I know. Her only child. And he believed that everything was going to be fine.
1: He thought he was going home.
0: I know. I can't imagine it. As of today, Hollywood and Hoyt are the only two involved in the crime still serving time. So to go on the media side of things, Hollywood was profiled on America's Most Wanted in September 2000, June 2004, and twice in 2005 after he was captured. Mm. Uh, the story was also featured on NBC's Dateline. Dun, dun. And now I'm going to talk about Alpha Dog, which I mentioned earlier. Alpha Dog was released in 2006 and was directed by Nick Cassavetes. I don't know. I don't know. Weird last name. Cassavetes, we'll say that. It has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMBD, uh, 54% on Rotten Tomatoes, 53% on Metacritic, and an 85% Google Store. Uh, Google, Google so, for the win. Or, yes. And all of the names were changed for whatever reason, because it seems pretty... It's high-profile um,
1: case. I mean...
0: Yeah, and I, I guess because it was at the time that it was being made, they still hadn't caught Hollywood. So maybe. I yeah, don't know. I don't so know. So I'm just going to uh, say who who stars in the movie and the person that they're supposed to be playing um, and when I talk about it, I'll just refer to the actual people, not the, uh, cause the name, cause it just gets confusing. Yeah. yeah. So the movie stars Anton Yelchin, RIP. He plays Nicholas Markowitz. Justin Timberlake <gasps> plays Rug. What? Justin Timberlake, JT. Ben Foster as Ben Markowitz. Uh, Alex Solowitz as Af- afronti oh my god this is like a french name or a german name emily hirsch as hollywood uh sean hatsey as hoyt uh bruce willis as jack hollywood whoa fernando vargas as skidmore sharon stone as susan markowitz oh my god and david thornton as jeff markowitz um it also starred olivia Wilde and amanda seyfried is that how you say your last name
1: Safrid, Safrid, I don't know. Safrid,
0: I'm not sure. So the movie is as typical two thousands has a long ass opening credits, um, and the opening credits are home videos of various children just being children, with a rendition of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" playing over it. So it's already like. Tugging at your heartstrings if you know what the movie's about. Yeah. Uh, the film opens up with an interview of Jack Markowitz, which is just Bruce Willis. It's not actual footage.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um, like a fake interview kind of thing.
0: It's a, f- yeah. So, like a mockumentary. I was um, about to say,
1: kind of like the way they did Oh, the movie about that ice skater.
0: Oh, Iron. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that movie. We're not going to talk about it right now. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> It takes place. Uh, the movie takes place November 1999. So it takes place a whole year before and it kind of starts setting up the scene as Hollywood as being this top dog as Hoyt being his lackey. And then Ben having this really like tense relationship with Jeff and Susan Markowitz um, asking them for money and Nicholas kind of asking Ben to like go with him. Just, like, shows, like, there's, like, some kind of family tension going on. Yeah. So, it kind of sets up that scene. The dialogue of this movie is very, like, bro talk. Or, as some people might call, a locker room talk. It's early... T- it's 2006, this movie comes out. It's very homophobic, misogynistic, and anti-Semitic. Which is great, because the main characters are Jewish. Like, oh, Nicholas... Oh, jeez.
1: Yeah, Markowitz. And That's ben, pretty Jewish.
0: Yeah. So, even, even in the... um. The movie, they're also Jewish. You see like a little um, menorah in the in the Markowitz family's home. So this movie, I mean, it was it was entertaining and it does depict the events as they unfolded pretty pretty accurately. Accurately, accurately, but it's definitely got a lot of creative license was taken for this movie. So oh, for sure. <laughs> one of the first things that happened is that Ben and Hollywood get into a fight break a coffee table, fly through the glass of a sliding door, and then Ben tries to drown Hollywood in the backyard pool. And I'm just like, what is happening? That's and, a lot. And um, the problems that Nicholas is depicted as having um, with his family is that his mom is like Uber helicopter parent, mm-hmm. um, which that's her only child. So yeah, I kind of I mean get that so... But he is acting out, I guess, in the movie. Well, in the movie, I don't know about real life. He kind of acts out in his little 15 year old teenage rebellion kind of way. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean,
1: he's 15 and his mother seems overprotective. So every teenager is going to rebel against that.
0: She's like up his butt in the film. So it, if I mean, not that it's not super bad. Like I understand it. It wasn't like she was being like a terrible mom. But if that was what was happening in real life, I mean, he wants to rebel against that. So, yeah, it's very sad. And that's why he runs away from home. Yeah. In the movie was that he just didn't want to have an argument with his parents. And that kind of like is even sadder because like the last thing that your parent remember is that they were mad at you. Oh, yeah. And you didn't do anything wrong. Like in the situation that would unfold, like you didn't do anything wrong. And, yeah, it's just it's even worse. Uh, I don't know. The movie made it clear that Hollywood's father was aware of the kidnapping, and that Nicholas would tell party goers that he would tell his grandkids about the kidnapping. like he was like this was yeah. this would this is gonna be such a good story to tell my grandkids one day kind of thing. Oh, and apparently that actually happened. like he actually said that to a couple of witnesses in real life, oh God, um. So the film goes back and forth between the depictions of the events unfolding and the mockumentary yeah, uh, with like witnesses and those involved. When Ben, this is another like creative license. When Ben discovers that his brother was missing and that his uh, missing status was linked to Hollywood, he goes to a house party looking for him and goes all freaking martial arts on everybody at the party. Oh, God. I, I'm just like, what is happening? No. Um, he's even depicted as attacking his boss after being fired. And then he goes and like demolishes Hollywood's house. Like, this is before um, he kidnaps Nicholas, but he's just like, what is happening? He takes the crap on the guy's carpet. And I'm just like, oh. <sighs> what the hell? What is this movie? But then you see like Nicholas and rug, kind of like, which is Justin Timberlake kind of like bonding over just like friends and like hanging out and being chill. And like this kind of, he's assumed this kind of like big brother, little brother kind of situation. He even asks Nicholas, if I, you know, like, like if I let you go right now, gave you money to get on a bus, would you go? And he was like, honestly, I don't want to complicate things with my brother and, and Hollywood. I just, and I'm not having like the worst time ever. So you know, I'd rather just stay here and just wait it out. So he, honest to God, believed that he was going home, Aww. even in the movie. It's depicted <laughs> as that. And he's, like, having a good time, too. Like, his mom is overprotective. Yeah. And and he doesn't, like I said, doesn't want to complicate things with his brother, which I'm sure is something that he might have thought about. Um The movie... Is also very like male gaze. Like it's obviously for like it was filmed for guys. Like the way it's written. Yeah. Is they even dep- they even depict Nicholas having a threesome at his oh, going away party? Uh, come which on. Which did not happen. He's fifteen um, years I mean, old,
1: first of all. No.
0: Yeah. And it's not. I mean, like it's not explicit, obviously, but it's still like it's there. <sighs> um, and the movie also states that Nicholas has a black belt in taekwondo taekwondo and according to a telegraph article that i read he actually was a u.s taekwondo champion which was something that hollywood's lawyer would say like he could have defended himself like he you know like he could have left any time and he just was having a good time didn't feel like he was being threatened in any way he just felt like his brother was going to pay the debt and he was going to go home
1: i mean even so even if he was trained in martial arts he's still a scrawny 15 year old boy against a group of adults
0: yeah, and if he's for three days being supplied with drugs and alcohol, I mean, I don't yeah. know what his screens are when he died, and it doesn't really matter because he's just being a kid. Uh. Um, so Rugg and Hoyt take Nicholas to the mountain, like they say, and then they see two more witnesses just to just show all these people who've seen this kid with these guys. In the movie, Nicholas begins to realize something's wrong and panics, and Rugg, Justin Timberlake, gives, like, award-winning fucking acting, tries to calm him down, tapes his mouth and wrists together. Rug promises Nicholas he would do nothing to hurt him and he's like crying and I'm like, ugh. And Hoyt hits him in the back of the head. He falls into the shallow grave and he shoots him just like oh. in real life. And then it goes to the mock- mockumentary interview with Susan Markowitz stating that when they killed her son she died. Uh so when her son died, she died, and she was just so angry because she states that they killed her son over twelve hundred dollars, which like I said, later on they found that it, it was definitely like closer to like thirty thousand something dollars. Um which still God. is not the equivalent no. to a human life, especially I mean, no. one that had literally nothing to do no. with
1: I mean no amount of, of money is worth taking a life like that.
0: Yeah. So and it shows how all the other guys get arrested and their sentences are pretty accurate because they show like like the police like busting down doors and rolling up on sidewalks and stuff and like arresting all of them and then like some words go across the screen saying they were charged with this and they were sentenced for this long and they're all as far as i could tell they were all pretty accurate i didn't like stop and pause and like check but depending like i would like yeah that sounds right that sounds right some of the like prison names were changed and stuff like that but the Hoyt character is in prison for life on death row, like, and the other ones were in jail at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood is depicted being on the run for five years and that he was captured in August, 2005 in Paraguay instead of Brazil. I'm assuming they definitely had to like add that scene later on, unless they were just like spot on and they were able to figure it out before they arrested him. So, dun, dun, dun. Um, and When the words came up said that he was currently awaiting trial and could face the death penalty, which are all things that are accurate. Despite their hesitance, the Markowitzes attended the film's premiere.
1: Oh, no. And
0: Susan stated that she was moved by Anton Yelchin's portrayal of Nicholas. And if nobody knows who I'm talking about, it's the guy that plays Czech in... um, Star Trek, who died a couple years ago. It just makes me sad seeing him as this, like, really small boyish child in this movie. Uh, He's the (laughs) Um, one that died a
1: few years ago when his car rolled over him, right?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Oh, that was so sad about that.
0: And Susan embraced Sharon Stone, who portrayed her um, after the screening. So it seems that they received the, the film as well as you can, considering... the the amount of profanity and stuff in there but yeah yeah, it's that's the film I mean like I actually saw this movie like years ago like when I lived in the apartment um, before I went to college so I saw this movie and I saw the tail end of it where they were like all partying and stuff and they called him stolen boy and all of that and then Rug being kind of like Bonding with him and then being forced to be a part of his death when he... I mean, he's depicted as not knowing anything about it until, like, the very end. Like, he thinks, like, he's getting him ready to go home. And then they're like, yeah, no, we're going to kill him. Oh, uh, God. So, it's... a no bueno. And that is the kidnapping and murder of Nicholas Markowitz. Mm. <sighs> and... Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine.
1: That uh, That was a lot. I've I've got nothing.
0: Uh, <laughs> it was a lot. Mm,
1: I did not know about that case. And I really didn't know about the movie.
0: Yeah. I actually, the only reason why it's on that list, I was like, sometimes I've thought about that movie every once in a while. And I was like, I like Googled movie where kid gets kidnapped and then killed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and uh it came up so because i knew it was based off a true story because i guess i googled it after i watched it so it was definitely sometime where i had like a smartphone or something where i could google it while i was watching it and i found out that it was based off a true story in the movie like i don't know about real life but the nicholas character tells people that he's 17 like, because he's trying to, like, impress girls and stuff that, yeah. that he's meeting at house parties. And, I mean, he's supposed to be 15. Like, he says, like, uh, Justin Timberlake, Rugg's character, says, dude, you're not 17, you're 15. And <laughs> and it's just, like, uh, he's got, like, this baby face and it just makes everything worse. And Yeah. Uh, his moms and dad are, like, frantically, like, trying to look for him. And I don't know. I just can't imagine. And... It's such a waste. Uh, <laughs> you definitely go to jail for a lot longer if you murder somebody and if you kidnap them. Um,
1: um, yeah, I don't see why they thought that that would fix anything. I, like, I
0: have no idea. The thing about the movie is, is that um, Nicholas is depicted as like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, This has been like, the best three days of my life kind of thing and we're yeah, friends. Yeah, no, like, and
1: if they just let him go home, like, he would have, he personally probably, would not have pressed charges against them or anything. He just didn't want to cause a fuss.
0: Yeah, and he's depicted as, like, saying, um, like, I'm not, I'll just tell my mom because, like, they were about to have an argument, so yeah. I just ran away from home and met up with some girls and just laid low for a couple of days because I just... Didn't want to be around it. Uh. Um, and they were like, that's cool, that's cool. We'll just have to like get your story down so there's no like inconsistencies or anything like that. Because I mean the police will believe that you're a runaway, you're 15 years old. Like they'll have no problem with believing that. And they were just like, you know what? Killing him is better. So we'll just do that. And this thing about the movie is, is that when uh, Jack Hollywood finds out that he's been holding the kid for ransom and not just holding this kid. Um, he kind of like loses his shit on Jack uh-huh. or Jesse Hollywood. Yeah. And he's like, call him right now. Like, I have a friend lawyer. We have a story to get you maybe two years in jail um, instead of going away for like 25 life or whatever. And Jesse's like, well, I've already given out the order to. To kill him and like it shows him like trying to get a hold of Hoyt who's in charge of killing Nicholas and it's mm-hmm. 1999 in the film so <laughs> he's not able to reach him and he dies. whether that happened or not in real life I don't know Um it doesn't matter because they still murdered a 15 year old child so Um
1: yeah yeah they
0: did and now you don't have to watch the movie because I told everybody what happens <laughs> uh, thank you well, I don't want to watch closely. It, so. No, it kind of fucked me up (laughs) while I was in high school. I was just like "Ah, something about just the 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 part where he where Justin Timberlake is tying up the Nicholas character and just like crying and like trying to be like, you know, I would never do anything to hurt you. And I'm just like, what is happening?
1: (laughs) No, stop.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. (sighs) So now everybody gets to have the childhood pain that i I've lived with for like ten years, so. Oh, good,
1: good, good. Thanks for that. It's just what I wanted.
0: (laughs) We learned about some Brazil extradition law. You know, we we did some stuff. It was a journey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. learned some things today. (laughs) You want to sign us off,
1: Chelsea? All right, I'll sign us off. If you enjoyed this episode of Dinner and a Murder, please subscribe and tell your friends to tune in for more information about the kidnapping and murder of Nicholas Markowitz, the awful movie about him that I will not be watching, (laughs) and uh, the restaurant that I went to, which I'm drawing a blank on right now, Uh, check out our website. Smoke and Oak.
0: Yes. Uh, You know what? That was was super close considering last time I was like something with basketball. Oak (laughs) and Smoke. Wow. That was
1: all right. Uh, (laughs) Yes. The movies we talked about and Smoke and Oak. Check out our website.
0: Yes. And please like and follow our Facebook page, our Twitter and Instagram that I mentioned earlier. Also, rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. It helps so much to get good reviews.
1: Yes, it does. And if you have any questions, comments, corrections, a suggestion for us, you can find us on Facebook or email us at dinner and a murder Pod at gmail.com.
0: Also, send us your stories. At the at the e at the email not the Facebook uh, <laughs> if yes. you would like to help us keep our podcast going, please consider joining our patreon. We have some really cool treats for you if you do uh, we have all kinds of options for any um, income um, <laughs> any budget <laughs> there's also other ways to support us, which you can find on our website.
1: All of the links that we mentioned are in our link tree in the description. Please be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: We'll see you next Thursday.
0: And bon, bon appétit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did it. Oh, yeah. Smooth. <laughs>